Good evening, everybody. We are here January 15th. Just to remind you, 15 days are almost <laughs> over. Half the month is over. I still believe God has been doing what he promised. We had a good time with the Lord in the Lord in the morning. Many were encouraged, of course, by his presence. Some were triggered by the chat. <laughs> we are not responsible for that. We are not responsible for that. Okay, but uh, through it all, we just want to thank God. And uh, our light and sound team is increasing the light. They want to blind us. <laughs> Waiting for the day when they will give us costume also. To and makeup. <laughs> makeup. <laughs> <laughs> we just thank God. We got a young team and they are good in what they do. If you were, if you were ever to come to our studio, that you will see what much can be done with so little. Hallelujah. You know, so little. Like people have come, uh, who have watched us online on YouTube and all and they come to a studio and they look at the studio and say, you mean to tell us you actually do from this room? I said, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, we thought this was a huge auditorium or somewhere where you beam all this. I said, yeah, it looks like that. Okay, all things are possible. <laughs> so we just thank God once again for today. Continue to pray for the pastors. I still look at them and I thank God for how he started it. He had told me 10 years, 11 years ago, I would send you the poor ones. Poor ones. And if you look at the pastors who come to our church, they're from every denomination. Mm. No? Including 7-3 Adventists. And the Adventist pastor was telling me, uh, I also got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I said, yes. But the promise is, it is for all flesh, Adventist flesh, Methodist flesh, <laughs> Lutheran flesh. It doesn't matter what your denomination mm-hmm. is. You will not be able to truly function without the Spirit of God. So God is so good. Every, I mean, the, the denominations and the churches that are represented over there, and most of them are poor. You know, I just thank God for them. I thank God for the provision that comes. So this evening, when as you go to the Q and A, uh, and we ask God help us, help us, Lord. And I will always say we give you counsel, and you need to go back and check with God personally before you make a decision if it is based on our counsel. Because you still need to hear from God. Counsel is good. The word of God recommends that we take counsel. But ultimately, it's a life-changing decision. You need to hear from God. And uh, we've been studying about it, how God directs you as you are in the closet. I think we have one of those questions about the prayer closet also today. But we have a God who speaks. So this evening, Pastor Vijay, would you start in prayer? <clears throat> Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you that you are such an awesome God, that you visit us, Lord, that you are so faithful to us, O oh Lord. Thank you for the morning service, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the way that you blessed us all with your presence, O oh Lord. And we believe and we trust, O oh Lord, the same presence of God is here with us in every meeting, O oh Lord. And Lord, this evening we pray, Lord, that you would grant us once again the spirit of wisdom and revelation, O Lord Jesus. We need just not wisdom, O Lord. We need revelation, Lord, as we heard in the morning. We need revelation to be able to apply the word into the specific areas in our lives, O Lord. I pray, Father, that you would anoint each and every one of us, O Lord. Beginning pastor, even as he, Father, counsels, I pray that you would grant them the wisdom and all of us, even as we hear 
And Lord, we take in the answers. I pray, Lord, that you would make them relevant to our situation. The same anointing, O Lord Father, will lead us through all truth and will teach us your ways. And therefore, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, Father, be with us through this uh, telecast, O Lord Jesus. And you would bless everyone who will be listening to who are tuned in even now and who will be listening to these uh, answers in the days to come. That your anointing would continue to flow and deliver your people. Because you said in your word, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, there will be an increase of deliverance, O Lord, in the days to come. Come at this time into your hands and let your name be exalted and your word be lifted up through this time. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor, <clears throat> yes. so we'll look, at from, look from question number 18. <clears throat> uh, this is question number 18. It says, we often stumble when we see surprising things happening in and around the world. Rather, let us ask, what is the relevance of this event to the kingdom of God? Is, is it okay to ask? Especially in this day and age? Or if strange things are happening to you personally, don't complain. But I say, what is God teaching me through all this? Where have I gone wrong and why is the, why is God allowing these things? I believe there is a meaning in them if only we can see it. We need not become bewildered and doubt the love or justice of God. I teach my children this. Do you believe it is biblical or am I overreacting to the word of God? I do not want to be religious because I come from a Muslim background. Please help. Okay, let's go to the beginning. We often stumble when we see surprising things happening in the world. Okay. And, uh, what's happening in the world is a reflection of what's happening in the spiritual realm. Mm. Okay. Because God has, I mean, especially in our, this day and age, if you go to the book of Hebrews, God has said that everything that can, that will be shaken, will be shaken. So how we react to world events is not the way where the world reacts to the world events. When I'm not saying that you need to keep on looking into the news channels and to find relevance over there. But most of the things don't affect us. But whenever something that is literally shaping the world, what happens, like we said in the last two years, well, one and a half, two years, the kind of things that has taken place, it's impossible not to see the hand of God over there because the world has changed in a year and a half. Mm. It's, 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 it has changed. That does not mean that it will remain that way. You know, God can reset the whole thing. Reset the whole thing. Like if you look in the book of Acts, persecution rises, believers are all scattered, and suddenly in the middle of the narrative changes. The Spirit of God is there, there's great peace in Samaria, the church is growing and there is no attack. So God can change. The entire thing can be reset. So you don't look at, let's, let us, uh, look at this pestilence. Literally, if you're looking at this pestilence, the reason pestilences, famines, locusts, all have been around for a long time, but we never had something like this, which is worldwide. Mm. The entire world is still long. Many countries you cannot travel. Everything, many countries are locked down. And then how the system has used is to divide the people into two categories, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And in so-called democracies, and there are democracies, the unvaccinated are being almost treated as if they are criminals. Mm. Okay. And uh, a democracy is supposed to be the will of the people. 
and it seems to be the will of this. And honestly, if you look at it, what has happened in events is that science has science has replaced truth. Okay, science has replaced. Okay, science has replaced. So that's what we are looking at. So when all these things happen, when especially for people in the Middle East and all things which is radically changed in the Muslim world, which never happened mm. in their thousand plus years of history. Yes. Things happen, you need to realize things are happening over here. But we don't panic, we don't stumble. When all these things happen, there are two things. If it is uh, painful for you, you're going, you're being tested because of your faith, the word of God teaches us how to react. It's very clear. It is not only that you see an event and understand an event, you also need to know how to react to that event. Because if you react to that event, you can like so many people, of course, they won't release the data. So many people died because of taking the vaccine. Vaccine. I mean, the vaccine was supposed to protect them. On the other hand, their body reacted to that. Okay, reacted to that. So if they had not made it mandatory or if they had given the exemption, they would have been living now. Okay, so we need to look at and see that how do we react? Reactions matter. Reactions matter. So we have to be very, very careful. And when it happens to you personally, don't complain. No, we have to, we have, we, we don't have one particular reaction to situation. Two things we need to ask is one, when something is happening to me personally, like we saw in the morning, one, God works through covenants only. Okay. God does not work outside the covenant. Okay. So he made a covenant with basically, he made a covenant, first official covenant, of course, is with uh, Noah. You see that he makes a covenant with Noah. It's worldwide. Second covenant he makes is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the continuing. And that is ratified into law through Moses with all the terms of the covenant. And then you have a covenant with the house of David. That's a different covenant that's got nothing to do with God, to do with Christ and this thing. And then we have the new covenant. So God is a covenant keeping God. So the first thing we need to understand is, am I part of the covenant? Mm. If I'm part of the covenant, then you need to realize, is what happening to me, is it because, excuse me, <coughs> is it happening to me because I disobeyed willfully? Or if I am ignorant. Ignorance is not going to help you. Ignorance of the law does not. Excuse me. It's not going to help you. So the word of God is talking about here. So we need to look at it and say, if something is happening to me personally, is it because I broke the covenant? Two, is it because of my ignorance? Ignorance, like this, this sister or brother who writes over there is coming from a Muslim background. Okay, Muslim background. When you're coming from a background, a different background, we all have come, our forefathers all came from different backgrounds. They were not, nobody was literally from a Christian background a few hundred years back. So your background has effects. Your background has effects. Like if you heard in the morning, I said, there is no power mm. except the power of God. And the demons illegally use that power. But who gives them the authority to use that power? Man does. Mm. Man does. So our forefathers have all used, and we ourselves without realizing often have used demonic power. 
giving them holes in our life. Legal grounds. Remember the kingdom of God operates on legal grounds. And the lawyers can work for you or work can against you. And when it works against us, you know what? A lot of things happen. That is the ignorance. That is the ignorance. So that's why the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, Jesus is a new creation. Now that is a theological fact. But it is not a reality unless you really, really believe in it and walk in it. Mm. The purpose of baptism, like everybody knows, this is what a wedding is. A wedding ceremony is based on, for this purpose, man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they shall become. But the fact of the matter is, after the wedding is over, nobody has left. They are still all around. That entire perspective of leaving itself, you will only learn as life is going through. So you got baptized. You died theologically to the world, to your flesh, and you rose again as a new creation. But after that, you realize you didn't really die. Mm. Now you are learning after that what all things you need to die to. So there are so many things which are like in this, in this case of this, if I'm right, it's a system. Like I said, when a child is born into a Muslim family, when born into a Muslim family, usually one of the first things that is done is the mother or grandmother takes a baby and speaks into its ear that there is no other God other than Allah. Muhammad, this is proper. That's the first words the child actually hears. So it's already set. And we need to understand why it is so difficult to break into that system. Because they are already programmed with something else. Programmed. And then, they are very devout to their religion. So if you look at, let us say, the time of Ramzan, or Ramdan as they call it, 30 days, a billion people fasting. Or other days, the number of times without fail, anywhere, they will pray. They will pray. Okay, they will pray. This part of, um, we, we looked at it in the morning as part of tomorrow's message, but if God doesn't change it tomorrow morning. With God, you need to understand, everything is given in the first few verses of the book of Genesis, how the kingdoms operate. Mm. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, the earth was void, darkness, everything. The Spirit of God is hovering over the water. So there is the God the Father, with the Spirit of God hovering. And then the Bible says, God said. The Bible doesn't say God wished. The Bible doesn't say God thought. The Bible doesn't say God desired. The Bible says, God said. And then it says, He saw. It was good. This is how it operates. This is how it operates. And God made us in our image, in his image and likeness. So you know what? We say there are spirits hovering to make it, to bring it to pass. If it's the Holy Spirit or the other spirits. Because we've been made in his image. Okay, we've been made. And most of the things which has happened in our life, we caused it to happen. Yes. That's why the Bible says life and death is the, the power of the tongue, yes. the power of the words you speak. Because mm. we bakery animals' lives are not determined like that. You yes. never see a lion speaking something into its life. The only one who was made in God's image is man. Okay, 
So, which spirit are you speaking to? That is why if you look at Jesus' life, you will see one of the primary things Jesus does. He's always under the anointing. He's always under the anointing. And the Bible says there was no deceit found in his mm. mouth. So when he speaks, the Spirit brings it into being, into his situation. And he does not speak anything unless he has already heard from the Spirit and the Father. Okay? That is the life to which God is leading us to. Okay, So when you come over here, here are people who have come from backgrounds. and All of us, let us be honest, all of us have come. We have given the demonic so much hold. Huh. We spoke that into existence, into our lives, into our homes, into our families, especially couples when they fight and they say all kind of things and you know, realize the spiritual world is not neutral. There's no neutrality in the spiritual world. They are waiting for words because that is that how it works. How it works. Remember the spirits don't have a body. So they're looking for a body. God did not have a physical body. So when Jesus comes, this is a body you have prepared for me. Prepared for me. Okay. So when we speak things into being, you will, we, we are literally speaking things into our own lives. Okay. So when God, if you go to Joshua chapter one, when God is giving them how they will conquer the promised land, and basically telling how they will keep it. No, Joshua number one eight one eight one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so one. Yeah. Seven and eight. I think you should. Your the, the the font is uh, even with the telescope, we won't be able to read it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, let you get it, or I will read it for you. The first thing he says is to be bold, courageous. Okay, we'll leave that. Second thing he says is, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. He didn't say, be careful to obey the law my servant. He said, don't pick and choose. All. All. Because when you pick and choose, there are other forces that are at work. You give them legal ground, legal ground to work against you. Got it? Verse 7. Okay. Yeah. That you be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which my, my, which Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Mm-hmm. He says, this is the, this thing. Second, this book of the law, first, shall not depart from your works. You have to be careful to keep it. Second, it shall not depart from your mouth. Mm-hmm. How, how will you keep it? See that doesn't? Meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is. Three things I mentioned. One, think on it. To speak according to it. Third, do it. Do it. Yes. And he says, you know what? Basically, he's saying is, 
This is how you possess this land. You want so in the new covenant you keep it. This is how you possess the life of Christ Jesus. Meditate upon. But in the new covenant, the difference is that the Spirit of God comes in. Advantages of the new covenant. One, the law has been taken away. The Mosaic law has been taken away, nailed to the all the demands of the law Jesus took. So today when we when we disobey we can immediately go back to God. I write to you that no one sins, but if anyone sins, we have Jesus our advocate. So we have the advantage which they did not have. And how can that be possible? It's because he took the punishment. He took the punishment. So that's what happens over there. So we have this advantage. Please understand, the new covenant is different. The new covenant is, that's why it's it's faultless. Mm. The new covenant is to be able to make you perfect if we go to him continuously. He's able to save to the uttermost. Okay. The new covenant. But the thing is that the basic structure still does not matter. This doesn't still differ. Instead of the law, God takes us deeper into the truth. Goes deeper into the truth. Okay. What? So the Bible says Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. What does grace do? Grace heals us, saves us. Grace heals us. Grace delivers us. What does truth do? It liberates us. Mm. It liberates us. So grace and truth works both outside and inside. You know, outside and inside. So when you look at it, you need to realize God is leading us from glory to glory. Liberty to liberty. Both. It has to be there both. Okay. Grace alone won't work. Truth alone. Truth alone will make you miserable. That's why the Bible does not say Jesus came with grace alone or truth alone. He came with both. We need both. Truth alone means again you go into the demonic. Actually what you heard is the truth. And the problem is now to keep it, where does your power come from? Where does the power come from? That's what happened to the Pharisee. What he said is exactly true. I fast three times a week. I tithe everything. I pray. I do everything. God says, who empowered you? Who empowered you? There's nothing wrong in anything that he says. There's nothing wrong. Anything he says. Those are all things to be done. But the problem is, it has made him a slave. A slave of the demonic where he looks with contempt upon his fellow brother. Okay. Now that is demonic. Mm-hmm. That is demonic. What did it ultimately cause you to become is the question. What did it ultimately cause you to become? So that's what the Bible is talking about. We have so many bondages which we may not be even aware of. But God will lead us to liberty, to liberty. And here is. So when something is happening to you, you must ask first. Okay? First thing you have to ask is, why is it is happening? Did I disobey something? And if you haven't disobeyed, am I not, am I ignorant about something that has happened in the past? Something in the past? What I'm saying is this. All of us do not have a salvation experience like, let us be honest, like Saul of Tarsus. 
And even with his experiences, if you study his history, he made lots of goof-ups because he was also on the process. Only thing he was determined to finish his race. That is the thing. Okay. But let's say, uh, let's say somebody comes from a Hindu background. Hindu background. Let's say his grandfather went to the temple, Patanava Swami temple in Tivandrum because he's from Tivandrum. Let's say his grandfather actually went and said, every firstborn male in my family, down the I give it to you, Padmaswami has my, your priest. What happens to him? And he doesn't even know. It's a legal thing standing there in the spiritual realm. And all our forefathers have done that. The only way that will be cancelled out is in Christ. So he's, he's believed, he's baptized, but he doesn't understand all the things. And then when he's in the prayer closet, he's struggling, 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 struggling. He goes to the prayer closet and the Spirit of God says, this is the problem with you. This is where you are. Okay? It is not that you are not saved. You have forces that are working against you because they have a legal basis. Legal basis, right? My first house in Kerala, my father sold it before he built the second one. He sold it. Now, can I go back and say, it's my father who sold it. Please give it my in. He said, get lost. He'll tell you. What your father said, did, is legal and binding. You can come back and claim it. Okay, so, how is it broken? It is only broken in Christ. That is why if you read the new covenant, there's not a single promise in the new covenant which is not in, in Christ. Christ. So, the end. Entire process of the new covenant is to stay in Christ. And the entire temptation of the devil is to get us out of Christ. Out of Christ. Everything that he's doing is basically, is, is to get us out of Christ. The minute you are out of Christ, he gets an opening to get in and attack us. To stay in is the whole issue. Okay. If you are in, you are safe. You are safe. You step out, the demonic takes over. Like I said, the simple example I always give is you got a huge umbrella, it's pouring outside. You can go out into the rain, stay under the umbrella, you can remain dry. But on the other hand, you swing your umbrella up and down, like children do. What happens? You put your hands out. I remember the old story about that uh, European nation where the prince... uh, uh, wanted to uh, marry that uh, princess from Russia. And she said, no. She said, he's very bloodthirsty and he's got his 500 soldiers who are bloodthirsty. So I will not, I will, be, I will not marry unless he really uh, gets baptized. They understood baptism. So he wanted to marry her. So he said, you know what this guy and the 500 people did? They got baptized with the right hand out. <laughs> with the sword. <laughs> This part we will not give. So we all got baptized. That is a wedding. Okay? Okay. And then in the process, we are realizing what all things we need to die to. There is a death that took place, and there is a dying that place. And Paul is saying, I die daily. So it's a simple question to ask him. So, hey, wait on. When you got baptized in Damascus, didn't you die? Yeah, I died. Then what are you dying daily for? You're dying daily for. If that is real, then why do you have to die? That is also real. This is also real. That I died a death theologically. And this is as I, each day I realize I need to die to this. I need to die to this. I need to die to this. And it's a daily thing. It's the same thing like, you know, you got married. It's a wedding. 
in their wedding, you said, forsaking all others, you made the covenant and all. And then as you go through the marriage, the covenant starts working. Then you will realize, one day you have to leave your father. Second day father is okay, you have to leave your mother. Third day father and mother is okay, it is a sister who is influencing, I have to leave her. Fourth day father, mother, sister, no problem, it is a friend from the past who has come who is disturbing the marriage. You will realize the people you have to leave the same are not the same people every day. But the law stands, you shall leave. How you begin? For this reason man shall leave. So why does God go? He doesn't go at the bottom, he goes to the top. His father and mother, that's where you began. That's with whom you lived your life all these years. Okay, like we looked at the promise for these years, God goes to the impossible. I will restore your health. You will say, hey, and some people will not be interested because you know what, you have your health. I will restore your wealth. Say, I haven't lost, I actually got more wealth after, uh, it's not any, but God says, I will restore your ears and everybody has lost time. There isn't anybody who hasn't wasted their ears, especially when you understand the three parts of God's will. There is a good, there is a pleasing, there is a perfect will. No man alive would be able to say, I am walking in the perfect will of God. And if you did not walk in your perfect will of God, you walked in the good will of God, you still wasted your ears. It's like Pastor Vijay looking at Abigail's math paper. 98. Where did two go? If I were to get 98, I would say, wow, you got 98, how did you manage that? He will say, where did two go? Hmm? <laughs> Are you getting the picture? That is how it works. So we need to look, is it disobedience? Or I am ignorant about it. That is where the spirit, that's what Jesus said. The spirit of God, when he comes, he will teach you all things. He will lead you on to all. Why is he leading on to truth? So you can experience true liberty. Ah. True liberty. Okay? Love. You guys are all young people, another generation. But if you had been born when I was born, okay? Ambassador. Fiat. No, that was a limousine. The contessa was a limousine our days. We all went and stood there in that showroom seeing this contessa. And everybody in the school was talking about contessa. Now it looks like an ugly vehicle. Nobody even looked at it. Okay? Think about our days. Think about your your days. Okay? Where to where? Outwardly I'm talking about, you know. So, our days it was Bajaj 150. Bajaj Super and Bajaj Chetak. These are two wheelers. Chetak, you can't buy it. You need to be in the Middle East or something and put foreign currency to book a Chetak. Those days, think about it. To get a scooter in India, you have to pay in foreign currency if you want this model. Okay? And look at the liberty you are enjoying today. Times changed. Along with it came in liberty. Okay, that's what modernization changes. How did it happen? It happened because increase of knowledge. Now, spiritually speaking, that's the same thing. You may be... So, when I lived in the 1970s, I thought I was free. But now, in 2022, with the same mindset, with all I have known, you were to revert back me to 1970, I would be miserable. I would be miserable. So, today you may feel I am free. Five years now, if you ask, how are you in 2022, you will say, my gosh, I was in bondage. Mm. 
I did not know I was in bondage because I did not know what the liberty of the spirit really, really was. So we are all growing. But you have to keep growing, keep pushing because God wants us to make us absolute. The man, the only man who walked on earth absolutely free was the son of God. Absolutely. Any situation you take. That is where you have to look. From the time is revealed picture. From the time we see the pictures of him, the first time he speaks, that is at the age of 12. You look at him. Boy, this boy has got liberty. Three days he has seen his father and mother and he's not even bothered. He's absolutely focused on his father's business. At 12 he knows who his father is. At 12 he knows his father's business. At 12 he knows first you listen, then you ask. And third you answer. And his answer marvels them at the age of 12. Look at him. He has his liberty. When his mother asks him a question, he has the wisdom how to answer that question. And he goes back and submits to them easily without any issues. Here he has flummoxed the Pharisees and the priests and the Levites with his wisdom of the word of God and then goes and submits to his parents who don't understand even what he's talking about. He's got no issues. He's absolutely free. And then from the time of baptism onwards, you put him in any situation. You can't catch him. He's free. You crucify him on the cross. He's still free. free. He's still free. Freest man. Freest. So Mm -hmm. God is talking about, this is liberty. Liberty is not when everything is in your control. Liberty is when you are free, when nothing is in your control. You are still free. The hands are crucified. The feet are crucified. You are still absolutely free. You are at your father's business. On the cross, if you look at it, from the first time you hear his words at the age of 12, the last words you hear on the cross, he's still at his father's business. He's absolutely focused. Forgiving mankind, saving a man on the other side, finishes work, seeing his old, his mother is put into hands that will be responsible. He's doing everything, absolutely free. Now think about that. How can we do something like that? Unless we are full of grace and full of truth. Then we realize, you know what? If I am full of grace and full of truth, I too can do this. Mm. I too can be free at. Then you look into a man called Saul of Tarsus. Exactly. You realize. He's also free. He's also free. He understood the mystery. God is not a respecter of persons. Jesus, his son, is the way. We are asked to follow that way. You follow that way closely behind. You are absolutely free. Absolutely free. So you have to ask, where, what is happening to me? Is it because I broke the covenant? Mm. I broke the covenant. That's why, you know, if you turn with me to First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, okay, it's not like uh, the new, uh, what we have made it in our times. Okay, there are reasons, pro and, uh, yes, good and this thing. Mm. Uh, 1st Corinthians chapter 11 mm-hmm. and verse 23. 23 onwards, okay. For I received from the Lord that of which I also delivered to you, okay. Now look at this. This is, this is why this man is incredible. He says, I received from what Peter told me. No, oh, from the Lord. Peter told me. I received from the Lord. You have to read the book of Galatians. This is what I received. I received from the God. I did not confer with flesh and blood. 
when I knew it was God who was speaking to me, I didn't have to ask anybody else for a second opinion. So he said, you need to understand, Paul has already been taught the secrets about the communion. Though he was never part of the original group and he was born probably and saved many years later. Okay? So God is saying, I can speak to you. I can speak to you. I will tell you. Okay? The Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Yeah. Come further. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my body. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So he said, as often as. Why did he put this over there? He put it there for one purpose, so that we judge ourselves. And that's why he got upset with the Corinthian church. He says, what do you think? You don't have your own houses to go get drunk. This is this is the Lord's table. You're misunderstanding the purpose of this table. The first purpose of this table is that you judge yourself and your judgment is right through the Spirit. You partake of it. You get strength. You are healed. You will be spiritually alert. On the other hand, if you do it wrongly, you will lose your alertness. You can even die. You can fall ill. You'll be weak. Okay, so something is put over right over there. So why did God do that? To understand so that we are very aware. Are you walking under the terms of the covenant? I've given you a covenant. This is a cup of the covenant. And when you come together as often as you want, I want you to drink it in remembrance of me. But when you drink it, don't forget the purpose for it. It's the purpose is when you drink it, the covenant should work for you and not work against you. Look at that verse. Mm. Okay, verse uh, 29 and 30. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 30. And verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sit among you and many sleep. Now, what is the other side of it? He says, if you partake of it is in a worthy manner, you won't be weak, you will be strong. You won't be sick. You will walk in your health and you won't be sleeping. You will be aware of the times and the seasons and the move of the Holy Spirit. You will be aware. That's what Thessalonians says. You are children of light. You should not be asleep. That day should not catch you by aware, unawares. It should not catch you by unawares. So this is the thing. When anything happens, go to God. Because we have a God. Like we, we saw many times last week, today morning also, David's time, everything is fine, everything is settled, there is peace in the kingdom, and then famine comes. Famine comes. First year, second year, third year. Now understand, God's goodness and mercy, that's, this is all God's goodness. They have broken the law. They have broken a covenant they made, and the repercussions come. But God in His mercy does not bring the famine during the time of Saul. During the time when David is fighting the house of Saul, God in his mercy waits for a good season in Israel's life. When David is in absolute control, he's spiritually alert and then the famine comes so that the whole purpose is to restore. restore. So understand the goodness of God. When things happen to us, if you're walking with God, things will happen to us at a good time 
spiritually good time in our house, in our life, so that when it happens, we have the discernment. This is the reason that is happening. This is what needs to be done. Mm. My God is not coming here to destroy me. He's always coming to restore me. But you cannot break the law and get away with it. You know, it does not happen in the, in the laws of nature. It does not happen in the laws of a nation. And God says, definitely not in the laws of the kingdom. Everything is established on laws. On laws. And what the demonic does is they study, they understand the laws of God very well. And they manipulate us to break the laws and then controls that power. Gets into us. And then to get out of the mess, we become even more dependent upon them, giving them even more power into life. So from moving from liberty to liberty, we move from bondage to bondage. More bondage. More bondage. bondage. That's how they use. Because on it, their own, they do not have power. They do not have power. But what they have done is, they have taken God's power and used it illegitimately. Mm. It's like I told the example in the morning. Right? Yes. It's still the same power. The power is the fellow living in the hut who does not have a meat or anything. But in the night you will see he's cool, he's putting the, the high voltage but TV is running, everything's running. Then you look at him. He's put this bamboo pole, put a wire over on the main line and he hooked onto it. We are also getting the same wire. And we pay every month and he doesn't pay. But he won't get it. He has to pay somebody. He pays the lineman. He pays, he pays off the lineman. He doesn't pay the lineman, he pays off the lineman. Okay? So you don't get it free. You will have to pay the devil. Devil gives you nothing free. He gives you nothing free. You will have to pay him. That's what the Bible says. So, using our ignorance, he steals. Or causing us to break God's, that's what the Bible says, he who breaks the hedge, the serpent bites. As long as you're within the hedge, you can, he can't do anything to you. All he can cause you is to cause flesh and blood, agitate flesh and blood, to cause a reaction from you to break the hedge. That is the purpose of flesh and blood. Okay, And Paul was very smart. He says, as soon as I heard from God, I did not confer with flesh and blood. He knew immediately what the reaction would be. Immediately reacted. So it is for a test. Okay, You need to understand God allowed and Satan did not touch Job's wife. He left her there in place because she is the tool he wants to use to get Job to break the hedge. And he refuses to do this. Refuses to take uh, bait to her words. He refused. Then the three friends come. If you look at the entire incident after chapter 2, it is words. Mm. And every word is provocative. Mm. It's provo- The entire is a contest with words. They get this man to sin with his words. So the enemy has power over his life. It is a constant, constant. And there are Four people over there, four or five people over there, and everybody is being used by the enemy. Mm. Okay. And God is sitting there and listening to the whole conversation. 
So please understand that's how it works. If I am right, it is Psalm 82 or 85. Just give me, I am not good with this. Okay. Where it says, I want you to put a door against my mouth. Uh, Psalm 37, 39, 39. I, I'll guard my lips so that I will not sin against No, 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 not that one. Another one is there. Where he says, put uh, this thing over my mouth. 39 verse 1 is there. No, no, no. There's another one. Very clearly he says, talks about a door. Okay. It's okay. Okay. You, you know, you need to realize what he say. Huh? What does it say? Put it up on the screen. Say a guard over Yeah. Yes, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Lord, he's saying, you know what, Lord? I understand the power of words. I understand the power of words. And you know, Lord, even I cannot control my own mouth. So, Lord, I pray, you set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips that I don't open it and put my foot in. And then I have to reap the consequences. Okay, reap the consequences. So you need to realize these things work. It doesn't matter who you are. If these things work, otherwise think about it. Why does Jesus have to come and ask Peter three times, do you love me? Mm. Doesn't Jesus know that Peter loves him? Isn't one enough? Why does he have to ask him three times? It's because he's given the demonic the legal right in his life because he denied Jesus with all mouth three times. Mm. They have the legal right. Now, what is Jesus by making him say it, canceling the legal right? Mm. Canceling it off. So you know what? I'm sending you to minister. I don't want to go we're oppressed by the enemy, walking under condemnation. Every time you preach, you come back and say, how can I preach? I denied him. I said, I don't know him. And the enemy is tormenting your day. And huh, what are you talking about? Are you a person? Are you near that person? Okay. So God says, I know how the system works. Because I come from that system. <laughs> it's my system. It's my system. <laughs> it's my system. Okay. It's my system. That's how it works. So you know what you know what? What you said? Say it again. Reverse it. Speak it. Cancel it out. Okay? What is said has to be cancelled out. What you think is a different thing. Yeah. Okay? What you think is a different thing. The best thing is that even when you think negative, don't say it. Mm. Don't say it. Don't say it. Okay, don't say okay. Because sometimes your mind is very good because that's, I've learned that every day because honestly I was a foot in the mouth, short-tempered young man. So I've learned over time. You know, sometimes it's good not to say if because what you think may be absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong. Okay. Tell you the example. I made breakfast today for as usual for my mother and my wife and then you know the mortar gives trouble so I primed it and I put it on and ran to the terrace and I was checking the water and when I come back my mother is in the kitchen I said oh my gosh because I can get the smell of cooking coming so I said why does Amma has to start in the 7 in the morning I was, I didn't say anything I was thinking 
And I went into the kitchen. I had forgotten to put the burner off. I had burned what I had made. She had nothing to do with it. The smell coming was my cooking. Now imagine what you thought, what you had said it. What I thought, what actually happened. The whole thing was a mess over there, all over the place. So now I'm mopping, scraping, cleaning, everything. I had to make breakfast all over again. But what was the thoughts that was going in your mind? It had nothing to do with you. It was with the other. But the other had nothing to do with you. You, It was everything with you. Okay, Everything with you. That's why God says, seal, seal your mouth. Because sometimes, you know what, the devil will try to cause you to say something because he has read Genesis 1 very well. Mm. And he knows man has been created in God's image. Not the devil, not the angels. He knows man has been created in God's image. And how God functions is how man functions, whether knowingly or unknowingly. He speaks and the spirit that is hovering over you is empowered to bring it to pass into your life, whether it is right or whether it is wrong. So God says, ask what is happening. What is happening? Did I break the covenant? Come back, repent. On the other hand, is it ignorance? Then the knowledge of God sets you free. Go again, ask for forgiveness, repentance for ignorance and put it right. On the other hand, what is happening is because of righteousness sake, then God says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You know why? Because the spirit of glory is resting upon you. You don't see it. That's why the pictures are there, even in the book of Acts, when terrible things happen to people because of their stand for God. God said, this is the way you need to react. This is the way you need to react. And that's how it is. Stephen, his face is glowing. His face was glowing. glowing no? All that, no? So that's what God is talking about. That's was a long answer for a small question. It was not a small question. Pastor, uh, when you talked about <clears throat> uh, you giving uh, your forefathers giving a legal right, and that it, that it stands. Yeah. Now, uh, it it will only stand if you have not really mm-hmm. died and live in the light of what your huh. baptism means. means. So, so uh, when God says, "I will visit the iniquity of the father mm-hmm. to the th- third and fourth generation," mm-hmm. now uh, in Job's case, when you're taking the example of Job, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember we, in one of the teachings we had, uh, we were talking about the fact that Job lived to see the five four generations, generations, so that he could break the power of iniquity. But it still only worked with Job technically. His son could go and worship an idol without his father knowing, and he's passed on to his next generations. The thing is that what is taught by the father has to be implicitly passed. They're giving a good start. A mm. good start is, it's a good thing. It's a good start. Okay. So he's given them all a good start. You can stand free. I have not passed anything to you. I have made peace with God. It's all over. You can. But now each one of them has the honors not to subvert it. Mm. If they subvert it, that's what the Bible is talking about. In Joshua, the book of Joshua, Israel is being given a good, good start. start. They won the war, there's peace in the land, rest from all their enemies, but the second generation blows it up. And we see that happening in homes, families, the father has worked hard, he's put away money, saved. the second generation just blows it up. And you're back to the cycle. 
Okay, so every generation has to personally take responsibility for their lives and learn from what has happened and they can continue in that freedom. Mm. Okay, because all the parents can do is give you a good start. But after that, you have to continue on your own and to see that you have learned the lessons. You have learned the lessons. Otherwise, you goof up. Like, let us, let us say, of all the children David had, Solomon had a fantastic start. Because the father and the mother mentored him well, protected him and mentored him. He blew it away. Mm. He blew it. He just blew it away. And he cannot, you cannot say he blew it away because he did not know. No. Did not know. He knew it all. And not only that, God appeared to him twice and told him not to go that way and he rejected it. Okay, so all this is again conditional. Nowhere is God taking your personal free will away. Free will away. So when uh, we are talking about iniquity, it should all die in your baptism. Sure, yes. If you believe and walk in your baptism every day, every day, reckon yourself dead. dead. That is every day. You didn't die in your baptism. Then there is nothing to live for. You died. You passed up, put you down. You never came up. Then it's a murder. It's not a baptism. Okay, that's not what happened. You came up, and you are saying the old person has died. But the truth is, has the old person died? No. The next day morning, you have to kill it. You have to kill it, and you have to see that he's dead through the day. Like I said, the simple example is the example of marriage. And it's not the same thing you are dying to every day. It is not the same person you are living. Only God goes to the top. It's his father and mother, the most difficult part of your life because they were the ones who gave birth to you, took care of you, brought you thus far. So they are the most difficult. So he says, if you can leave them, you can leave anybody. That's basically the fundamental. Leave them, you can leave anybody. So he's saying, every day it will, some father and mother may not even interfere in your life at all. So you don't even have to leave them. Okay. It may be somebody else who is struggling. Hmm. Okay, so it doesn't mean it is your father and mother alone you have to leave. Then you are not getting the whole picture. So in the same way, when you are dead to sin, reckon yourself dead to sin. Monday morning you wake up and the sin is this: I don't want to go to work. I want to sleep. Tuesday morning you are fresh. You want to go to work. You are now struggling with something else. Wednesday it may be something else. But how do you start at the premise? You have died to sin. What sin it is, you will discover as you go through. Sins are there. But no, Jesus died for sin. Not sins. He became sin for us. All sin. All sin. It's a package. In that there are many sins. Okay? So that is how it works. So whether it is disobedience, whether it is ignorance, or whether it is for righteousness sake, the solution is different. Solution is different. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Okay, Pastor. This is, again, Pastor, this is question number 19 on prayer. <clears throat> um, to make sure that I realize that I'm approaching God, I have to exclude certain things. I have to enter the closet Matthew chapter 6 verse 6. What does that mean? Would you say the principle is that there are certain things which we have to shut out, whether we are praying in public or whether we are praying in secret? You shut out and forget other people. You also shut out and forget about yourself. 
would you say this is what is meant by entering into your closet? Okay, is that only one part? Question? Yes, only one part. Question. Okay, entering into your closet. Basically, God is saying, I mean, the fundamental premise over is that you need to have a very personal, very personal. See, when you are a family, let us say you are a family. Okay, you are a family. You will have a family prayer. Father, mother, children. Then you have a prayer with husband and wife. It's all part of it. You come to church, you have a corporate prayer. And then you have a prayer time with God alone. Mm. Now God is saying, that is the most important part of your prayer life. Yes. If you do not have that, and you have the rest, still doesn't work. This one is the most important part. Okay. So he says, when it comes to that, you close out everybody. Mm. It's just you and God. You and God. Why is it so important to me? I mean, let's say, let's put me as a, why is it so important to me? Because he may have things to say to me which he doesn't want me him to tell my wife. It's about me. And I need to change. I need to change. There are certain things which he needs to tell me as the father, as the head, which he needs to do as a pastor to tell me because he says, you are the one who has to guide you has to guide. Okay. Now listen to what is happening. Why is it important? Is because there is order. There is an order. God would prefer that way. And my wife goes one on one with God, and she hears from God. It is easier to change. On the other hand, she doesn't do that. And God tells me, and I don't like what I'm hearing. And I tell her, you know, why don't you change? I hear all the time from God. This is where you need to change. You know, it doesn't help. So God would prefer that all of it. All this it does not change. He prefers everyone because he's a father. Mm. He's a father. And he has no grandchildren. And he deals with all his children one to one. Yet, it's a family. It's a family. He talks to us as a family. He talks to us as individuals. So that space with God alone is very, very important. And most people, Christians, believers, problems in their lives are connected with that one factor missing. And it's not easy, initially. It's not easy. Because you have to prove to God that you can be trusted. Mm. That you are committed to that space with God. Committed. Mm. Let me tell you one thing. Most problems in a marriage are not what you think it is. It's simply because the other person thinks you are not committed to the marriage. Let it be honest. Finances may be a problem. But if the wife knows, I am committed to you and your home, she will say, I will tighten my ways. We will manage. But if he feels, she feels, you are not committed to the home or this thing. You are wishy-washy over there. You know what? There'll be always trouble. Mm. Okay. Every relationship works that way. Every relationship. Listen, that's what I said. There is a wish, a desire, and then there is commitment. That commitment is what makes it into a decision. So God says, okay, you come one day, you come two days, you come three days. Oh, I didn't hear anything. You go. That's why God said men all need to pray right. always. They never give. Never. Okay. 
because he is committed to his relationship with us. He is absolutely committed to relationship. And it's a prayer closet that will define our relationship with God. We can have a relationship with God through the word. That's important. Mm. There has to be a relationship with the God. That is the transformation of the mind. mind. Primarily, it is a transformation of the mind. Basically, like, you know, like, uh, if you want to understand me speak in English, you have to learn English. This is the transformation of the mind. But the prayer closet is the transformation of the whole person. Where you encounter God. Person. But God as a spirit. Ultimately you are a spirit being. The spirit is where transformation takes place. But when the spirit transformation is taking place, if the soul has to understand it, you need the word. The word of God is how you decipher the language of God from the spirit through the soul. Because the soul is the factor, deciding factor. So your prayer closet is important. When God is talking about it, it says, you should pray in public. All that is part of our life. We pray in public, husband and wife. Suddenly it's two people. Husband, wife and children. It is four or five people. Then in the church, when you pray, it is... So that's all there. God is saying you shouldn't do all this. You should do all this. But he says... This is the most important one. This is the most important. But this is where you can actually become honest. Honest. honest okay? Like, the, like that's what he's talking about, a relation. Uh, Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. What he's talking about? This is absolute openness with, between them. There's no secrets. When you're talking about the spiritual context, you know, husband and wife, absolute uh, um, openness. Okay? Now, if you, if you, I mean, there are only one, two, you know, all of us, only two bachelors, three bachelors, and the rest of us are all married. Okay? Married people, you know, like, you know, let us say, when you are going out somewhere, you will be very careful. You will shave, you will bathe, you will change, and you will put aftershave. Do that when you get up in the morning before with your wife. Before she wakes up, let me shave. But nothing. You are just as you are. When you are courting her, of course you did all these things. But after marriage, a day, a week, two weeks, honey, you need to get me with your arts and all. I snore. Okay. If I disturb, just push my head to one side. Okay. You realize, you know what, that is what happens. And the more you open up, more you share, there is a closeness that comes. Now this should, more than this should actually happen in the prayer closet where you can go and be absolutely honest with God. Which you can't even be honest the way you can be with your wife. Because she does not have the capacity to understand you the way God can understand you. You say, you know Lord, these are my struggles. I can't even tell my wife, I think like this. I am lazy. What I pretend before my wife, I pretend before my children. You know, I feel so you are the only one I can talk to. Absolutely, I can talk to you. God says, I understand. I'm not condemning. All I'm telling is, come and talk to me, and I'm here to help you through this whole process. Your prayer closet is not demanding a thing. Your prayer closet is the place where you spend time with your maker. Heard the word I said? He has made you. He says, I know you better than you know yourself. 
even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Two, I've seen your end from the beginning. I've seen it all. You see, you're today you're worried. I've seen you tomorrow also. And I'm not worried. Your prayer closet ultimately will change you. Will change you. And that's what you're talking about. Go there and shut. That's what the Bible is talking about, Jesus' prayer closet. He did not have a prayer closet like we have. So he had to find a solitary place. Solitary place. Okay? And if you go back, that's a, the most powerful Five, words seven. about his prayer life. Hebrews 5, 7. It's a very powerful verse. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered a prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death? And was heard because of his godly fear. What is he crying? You know what he's talking about? This death is not the death on the cross. This is a death that would happen to him if he sinned. And his entire crying is his father. You know, you sent me in this body. I obeyed your command and I was willing to go. Now in this body, I know what they feel. He was tempted at all points, yet did not sin. How come he did not sin? Because he prayed. That was his prayer life. How come he did not sin? In thought, in word, indeed, he did not sin. Why? Because he cried out. He said. That's why he says, it's not that we do not have a high priest who does not, not sympathize with our infirmity. Weakness is the Lord. You know what I said? He says, I know. Good you came to me. You know why? You know how I overcame? I went to the Father. That's how I overcame. Every day I went to the Father and cried out and said, Lord, you know what? They can fail. I can't fail. If I am fa- if I fail, their salvation is God. Why do we go to God and receive mercy so easily? Because he did not fail. So his struggle and my struggle are not the same. I have still room to fail. He had no room to fail. And because he did not fail, Jesus says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1, look at what he saying. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, can this be written about Jesus? My son, Jesus, I write to you so that you do not sin. Because if you sin, I... Father says, you know what? You cannot sin. You cannot sin. So, his life is... Yet, he has shown us the way. Your prayer closet will define you. And Don't make your prayer closet as your shopping list. Can take it there, but that should be a small part of your shopping list. Prayer closet should be your encounter with one another. Like if you are, if you are a married person, if you are a married person, what is your encounter? Is the fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, or according to your time scale? I am talking about mine. Is either the last twenty minutes before I fall asleep, or the first thirty minutes after I wake up my wife? That is our encounter. That is where we talk. That is where we talk. Go to peace at night. Wake up in peace in the morning. Because we talk. We talk. God says, what you do in your home, do it with me. 
rise up in the morning, spend time with me, and go into your day in peace because you have poured out your heart and I got your back. Mm. I am with you. And, and, and the beauty of the new covenant is that once you have justified by God, we don't have to come pretend with God. With God, you don't, don't have, have to. I mean, even otherwise, I mean, you don't have sense, to pretend. In a sense, he says that uh, when he says in Psalm 32, he says, um, "Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, and uh, who does not God does not impute iniquity." And then he says, "In whose spirit there is there's no, no deceit, there's there no guile." You don't no have to. Do. No, that is even if you have guile in your spirit, one thing you can't pretend before yeah, God. Exactly. See, that's so, that's one thing about God. Even if you have something, there's no point pretending. <laughs> no point. It's a liberating thing. Exactly. I mean, you can pretend with everybody else. Mm. Even with your spouse, you can pretend. And we all pretend before our spouse. We pretend we love them and we don't love them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, these are all feelings. I'm not talking about the core part of mm. love of commitment. We are talking about the feeling part. And women are interested in the feeling part. Honey, do you love me? You know, and we will say, yeah, of course I love you. And we mean, of course, you, I am committed to you. I don't feel anything for you right now, but I am committed to you. She is not asking that. She is saying, I know you're committed to me. Do you, you feel, feel anything <laughs> right now? Or what she is asking, what you are saying, don't agree. Okay, don't agree. Okay, because we are not made the same way. Okay, but with God, one, you cannot pretend. So you don't have to pretend. That's you a liberating thing. It's a very, very liberating thing. Very, very liberating thing. You know, very mm-hmm. liberating. That's one of the things. That's one of the things. Even when you, that's why Jesus has come to the entire life and the teachings of Jesus is that your father is not like what the Pharisees are teaching. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's different. He's different. You can come back to him. When you come back, you fall on people. When you come back, do you know how glad the father is? Yes. And the best known story of all is the story of the prodigal son. That blew everybody's mind up. Is this really true? That one parable has saved millions in history. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. one parable has caused people to come to God and come back to God. Is this really God? Really, God. The son has prepared an entire mess, a mess. This is how to say what he is and what he expects and all. Father, just blows it up. You have come back, that's enough. The fact that you have come repent is enough. Okay, and restores him completely. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. Your prayer closet should liberate you. Liberate you. Liberate you. It doesn't matter how many times you go back with the same thing. The thing is that go back. Go back. People walk under condemnation is because they do not go back to the prayer closet. I will be right and then I will go back to God. You will never be right. Impossible. You will never be right. Just keep coming back to me. Keep coming back to me. Like I said, you have a electric or whatever you call a saw, electric saw, water mechanized saw. You can cut a tree down easily. You can cut the same tree down if you don't give up with a pen knife. If you don't quit, it will take a long time, but you can cut it off. God can deliver you in one day. God can deliver you in ten days, one year, two years, if you keep on going back. Keep on going. You will, He will deliver you. You have to keep going back. Keep going back. And He will forgive you. Peter asked God, if my brother is staying how many times? Seven times? Jesus said seven, seven times seven times. Think about this. This is what God is expecting from man. 
in a day for the same thing. What do you expect from God for the same thing? If this is what God is expecting. This is a liberating part of the prayer closet. The new covenant gives us that boldness to go. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives you entry. Second, the blood of Jesus makes you righteous. You are not going in as a sinner. You are going as a righteous who sinned. You are not going in as a sinner. You are going as a righteous, righteous by God's side. The righteousness of God. A righteous man who sinned is going in. Not a sinner who is crying for mercy. It's a righteous man asking for forgiveness. It gives you boldness. Prayer closet. You'll have to keep going back. Keep going back. And no, I'm telling you, all the men sitting over here, one, two, three, four, six, seven of us, two bachelors and three bachelors and four married men, your lives will change. Your homes will change. Your wives will change. Children will change. Even the most impossible ones will change. If you, as the father, choose to go to your prayer closet and spend time with God, you will realize there is peace in the house because God has given authority to the man to speak peace into the house. You don't have to speak it to anybody. You just speak into your house. I speak peace because you received peace in your roof. Talk with God. You came down and spoke into your house. Peace. Authority is according to office. And the man has that office. And the office if you look at when Ma and I pray, she prays. But when it comes to binding and this thing, she says, you do it. She understands the office works. Everybody will be comforted and encouraged by her prayer. But if it has a binding and the releasing has to be done, the office works. The office works. Okay, so you need to realize when God said, the head is man. The man has to encounter Christ in his prayer closet. Then he comes and he speaks peace peace. That's the first thing you need to speak is peace because you come down from with God in peace and you speak peace. Speak peace. And you will realize your homes will change. We are, we are confusing that uh, our problems are caused by other things. No. At the end of your problem, whatever problem is, what is the solution you want? What does the solution give you? Let me, let me ask you, you have, you need, uh, uh, you have a situation where you need thousand rupees. If you have thousand rupees, what do you have? Peace. Peace. You put into any kind of situation. At the end of the day, what does the solution give you? Peace. Even if joy isn't there, we want peace. Peace mm. and joy is the add-on. But you get peace, right? And God says, you know what, that's what I promise you. Straight away I promise you. You're looking for the solution. But my solution is already there with you. I will give you peace. That's the first thing. He comes and speaks to his disciples. Fear not. Peace. Peace. Has anything happened? Nothing happened. Have they Have they gone out into ministry? Have they done anything? Nothing. He says, you know what? That is all different. Go in peace. Go in peace. And the prayer closet is where you find your peace. You look at Jesus. After he has prayed 
three times when ahead of all the others. First he told all of them, then he took three aside, poured out. He says, stand and watch, stay and watch with me. He went a stone so away, meaning he's still, his prayer is symbolic. He's looking at his disciples. There are eleven here, so there are eight here. Then there is three, and there is him. And his prayer life is far ahead of a stone's throw. Hmm. Think about it. He's a strong man, okay? He's not a weak man. A stone's throw away. Quite a distance he goes. And he's praying. And he's crying out like this, crying. Three times. Three times father said, no. He rises up in peace. He's not anxious. He says, let's go. Our has come. He said, peace. Because once you have heard in your prayer closet from God, whatever it is, yes, wait, no. Once the relationship is established, you have peace. That's what happens with David. He's got a relationship with God. And God says, no, you will not build a house. He's peace. And daddy said, no, I'm good with it. Now, like, what can I do? Oh, oh, I can't build the house. Let me gather all the stuff for the house to make the job easy. Yes. For he did everything. Gathered. We talk about Solomon building the house. Nonsense. He didn't do anything. Yeah. The father did everything. He gathered everything, including the, the material and the blueprint. And the and the blueprint. blueprint. He did everything. <laughs> all he had to do is execute it. He didn't have to gather the stuff. He didn't have to fast and pray, do divine vision to get how the temple should be built. What is it? Everything the father did for him. Why? The father, God said only one thing, you will not build. You only said I will not build. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do all the rest. And he's fine. He's okay with it. He has peace. Okay. That's how you have to look at it. When God says, wait, what will you do? What will you do? That's a bit, that's what you see. Go to the city, it will be told you. Basically, wait. When it will be told me? No. What will you do? What did he do? He fasted and prayed. So what does that tell you? Even as a Pharisee, he's got a strict discipline of fasting and praying. He's already trained. Man is already trained. All he needs is the mark changed. That's all. He's trained. He doesn't need training in the body anymore. That he's got, the discipline of the Pharisee he has. Now all he needs is change the heart and make him into a child of God. Once it becomes, he runs. With We heard this morning about speed uh-huh. of overtaking. He overshot all the apples. How many years start they had? Not one or two. They had a start of years ahead of him. They had a start of being literally, physically being with Jesus. He overshot all of them. God says, you look at all these people. You see in history, if you want, you can catch up with them. If you want, you can overshoot them. I am not a respecter of persons. Not in the terms of ministry. That is work. In terms of relationship. You can overshoot all of them. He says, you are all talking about the revelations of Paul, right? He says, you can overshoot that. You don't need those revelations already written, but you can have a relationship with me as strong or stronger than Paul. I believe some of the people after Paul had even stronger relations, like Sadhu Sundar Singh, a mind-blowing relationship with God they had. He just disappeared. Nobody knows how he died. He just disappeared. He walked the breadth, length and breadth of this land, walked literally. His visitations with God, how do you explain it? How do you explain his visitations with God? 
How do you explain? He was mystic par excellence. He was mystic par excellence. But then you look at the man, you look at his life, you look at his words, and you look at his visitations. You know what? I just want to stay away from hmm. I will not judge him. Not my, it's above my pay grade. Absolutely ever. Not like some of the sadhus, Christian sadhus who come on TV and all that. Huh? They don't have anything, no qualities of his. What they talk and what he is is a different thing altogether. So you have to look in what is your prayer clause, what is the purpose of your prayer clause, what is that you want. You are not competing with anybody, but you look into his and say, Lord, That's it. I want that relationship. Amen. Why? I'll tell you, a mind blog, first time I read it, I said, this can't be true. Then I went back and read it. Every time, even now when I read, read it, it still blows my mind. That is John chapter 17 and verse 23. In them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and the world may know that you have sent me. All that I understand. You love them even as you love me. It's mind-blowing. Do you understand the fact that God loves you and me as he loves just like, Jesus? Just like Jesus, yes. Just as he loves Jesus. Think. For a minute. Wow, that's crazy. Think for a minute. God has only one son. Only one begotten son. That is Jesus Christ. And he says, Dad, I he, want them to know. I want them to know. And Jesus has no issues with it. No distinction between the adopted and the real. real. <laughs> that's the real. No, only God can do stuff like that. And when the fact happens, this is one of the things which I, I really ask God. Lord, you know what? I got this kid in my house. A little kid. Cleft lip kid. You know what, Lord? I want to practice this. I want to love that child like my own mm. child. My own child. And the fact of the matter is, after a point, I started wondering, do I love this child more than I love my all children? <laughs> Hallelujah. Which is true. You ask my wife. You can ask even last night. You can ask my wife. Did I say, Neville, where are you? Did I say, Noella, where are you? Did I say, Aisha, where are you? Omar? I didn't say any of this. I said, Matulika, Matulika, my baby, where are you? Your father does not forget you a single day. I don't hear from you. I have no clue where you are. I pray, Lord, this child is not lost. This child is not abused. Nothing happens to this child. That is my child. Okay? And God said, you know what? I'll teach you how is it possible for me, for me to love you as I loved my son. And he keeps telling me, how do you love my son? I said, like my own. So that's the way I love you. My own. The way I love you. You know what? It's the most liberating thing in your life that God actually loves me as His own. Mm. He has only one son, His only son, mm. own son. And Jesus says, You know what? I have no issues with that dad. <laughs> I want them to know. Absolutely. I want them to know More than the brother. that you love, <laughs> that you love them as you loved me. Okay. You know, where do you experience this? This is not theory. You experience this in the prayer closet. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's why the Bible says in the Old Covenant, love is as strong as death. Yeah. New Covenant, love is stronger than death. Even death couldn't hold him. You need to understand. New Covenant, love is stronger than death. God's love this world so much he sent his son to die. It's stronger than death. Okay. That sets you free. That is the whole thing. And that only happens in the prayer closet. One on one, one on one, one with God. 
taking. That's what God is talking about. We do not realize what we are missing when we don't spend that time with God. We spend that time with God. That is what actually it means when he took up to the mountains and showed a secret to these three. I want you to see what happens really when you pray. Even you really, really break through and you learn to pray. My father's face actually shines, shines upon He's looking at you. Like, 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 you know, we, <laughs> I see, uh, Apu and Raj, you know, walking and how do they walk? They, uh, you, let me tell you, let me tell you this actual fact. Let me tell you this actual fact. It's not Gracie who's enjoying Raj and Apu. It's Raj and Apu is enjoying Grace. Absolutely. Okay, you, when they are looking at them, their face is upon them. And God is saying, you know what? I look upon you. Yeah. And this is what I want to bless Israel with. Tell this. This is how it brings. This is how you do to bless. May the Lord's face shine upon you. Yeah. And where does it happen? It happens in your prayer. And that's why it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James, went up onto the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face altered. Why? He's giving them some. He said, this is what happens every time, but I cover it so that you don't have to worry and this thing about it. Because I know what happened with Moses. And that shining is different from this shining. Okay, I can't even cover. You'll all fall on your face. I'm not doing it, but I want to tell you in your prayer closet what really happens. Your father looks at you as you are an adoring baby. He adores you. He actually adores you. He enjoys you. He's not upset with you. He's not angry with you. Of course you have, but he loves you. You are his child, covenant child by the blood. He looks at you. Face is altered. Everything alters. And then what happens? You hear in the prayer closet. This is what I want you to do. That becomes the works of righteousness with which one day you will be clothed. His robe became white and glistening. Why? Because he said, I have never done one thing other than what my father told me and how I saw him do it. Therefore, his righteousness is poles apart because he has never done anything other than what the works of my father I do. That is the works of righteousness. What are the works we are called to do? The works of God. That is the works we are called to do. And that's what God is talking about. So don't neglect your prayer closet. Do not neglect your prayer. That's why it is so, this, this, uh, this, this two, honestly, these two prophetic voices, apostles are, apostles are put there and they are not the same. They are not the same. Peter and Paul are not the same. They are two different people. The experiences with God are different. You know why? Depending upon the way they are pursued. You can have everything. You can have the best start called first termed apostle, have all this thing with Jesus, seen him on the Mount of Glory, everything. But that does not mean you will pursue him with the whole heart. And then you have another man who actually goofed up very badly, persecuted the Christians, sanctioned Stephen's death, and then he turns it around and pursues God like no man's business. And then you have Acts chapter 12, Peter sleeping, church praying, and Acts chapter 16, and Paul praying and worshipping God and the presence of God. He doesn't need an angelic intervention. 
here an angelic intervention. If you read Acts chapter 12, it is very clearly mentioned. Only Peter's chains came off. The gates were open. Only Peter came out. Acts chapter 16, it is different. Everybody's chains came off. All the doors were open. And nobody wanted to go out. They were imprisoned by the power of the Holy Spirit. The jailer comes. He falls on his knees. He gets saved. His family gets saved. A baptism takes place. What's the difference between Peter and Paul? It's a prayer life. It's not their word life. It's a prayer life. So you can be two different apostles and your experience be completely different. Because And if you look at Peter and if you look at Paul, you look at when did Peter begin? How did it begin? How much of an extra time he had? When did Paul begin? And how quickly he overtook these apostles and overshot in his experience. If you ask Paul, you will see the secret is when you meet him first time in Acts chapter 9. Behold, behold, he's praying. Peter, behold, he's sleeping. Think Jesus comes and tells Peter, are you still sleeping? Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Sleeping. In prison. Sleep. I'm not condemning Peter. <laughs> to be able to sleep like that, that also takes courage. But the fact is that you are a apostle. Apostle James is gone. You are the number two. And after that, the number three is John. You are number two. Did you think about Okay, isn't this time to sleep? Okay, it's time to sleep. Okay, you are chained to soldiers. So was Paul chained to soldiers. When Paul was chained to soldiers, the gospel receives us household. Paul is looking at as an opportunity. If he is given four sets of guards to guard him and guards keep on changing, he will give the gospel to everybody. Mm-hmm. He will pray, he will worship that either these people will repent or they will want to be get away from this man. But Peter is... You never hear Peter in prison affecting the lives of somebody else. Why? The weakness of his prayer life. Weakness of his prayer life. And you need to realize that. This is what God is talking about. So pictures are all over there and we need to realize this no one. You get into the prayer closet. Yes, you have your needs. Write it all down. God wants to know. God is not saying you should not ask. He says you do not have because you do not ask. But what will happen over there, you will be purified. You will be transformed in your prayer closet. It's a transformation tax place. You do not, you have, you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, you ask amiss because you want to spend it upon your own pleasure. The problem is that when you have met God and keep meeting God in the prayer closet and the prayer closet changes you, let me tell you, you won't ask amiss. You won't ask amiss. And a day will come, like Jesus said, in your life, if you're consistent. My Father, I know you always hear me. Why would the Father always hear him? Because he never asks amiss. Only time he asks, the Father said, even there he said, not my will, but your will. You know, I know. We had decided this a long time back. <laughs> no. He never asked Amos. So the prayer closet teaches us to what to ask. We discover the will of God. I'm not negating the word of God. It is important. He has exalted it above, magnified all. This gives us the bones. If you want to put it in the terms, the Bible is the bones. And the flesh 
the sinews, the muscles, the tendons is your prayer life. It covers it. <coughs> the word holds you together. <coughs> the word is the bones, the doctrine, the word. Okay, remember Ezekiel's valley, bones. The bones came together. As the bones have to come together. Because if I don't have the word, I don't even know how to pray. What to pray. Who to pray. I don't understand the ways of God. So I, the word teaches me the ways of God. So that becomes your spine, your bone structure. But skeleton alone is not going to work. It will make a rattling sound. So God says, let the flesh come in, all come in together. That's your prayer life. You become a whole man. So if you see in Acts chapter 4, the disciples say, the apostles say, we will give us continually over to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. Continually over. That's what they say. Continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Meaning, there is this, even if you are not a pastor, this is your life. There is a part of you which is given over to prayer and to the word of God, which defines the rest of your life. Mm, exactly. Defines the rest of your life. Even when you are working, wherever you go, that defines. If you look at, you look at the most successful man in the Babylonian Empire, Mr. Daniel, Prophet Daniel. What was his life given over to? Prayer. Prayer and to the study of the word of God. Yeah, he fasted, he prayed, he's given over to the word of God. And he's a busy man. Mm. You can't be a satrap like in a governor of a province. Not a, no, those are governors who actually rule like US are not governors. They rule. They have no CM there. The governors rule. The governor is a busy man. But he's given over. One side is given over. Given over. And the other side is his secular life. But it is one combined. Combined. And because he's given over to that, when the secular system tried to manipulate this, he refuses. He refuses. The secular system, if you understand, you understand. The secular system doesn't come and search and say, you know what, we have an idea. We shall steal his manuscripts of his Torah. You can't steal it because it's in his heart. You know what they are after? His prayer life. They are after prayer life. You need to understand. They realize, you know what, this man's prayer life, an entire empire's law is being changed for 30 years to stop one man from praying. And they fail. And they fail. And that's what the disciples also understood. They understood, okay? He speaks the same word of God. We have read the same word of God. But the problem is, the way he sees the word of God is different. Two, the way he does his work is different. You know where he gets it from? It's from his prayer closet. But none of them have gone and spent time in his prayer closet. They thought maybe he has some mantra, mantra. like his Pharisees. So, so teach us to pray. See, everybody wants a shortcut. And we took that what he taught and made it into another mantra. Oh, Father, what in heaven, I Lord, with I gave. We made it into mantra. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. He was telling in that prayer. Okay, that was for us. Okay, telling is in that. Most of those prayers in that is not for him. Lead me not into temptation, deliver me, forgive our trespasses. That is not for him. Lead me into temptation, he's praying. But uh, forgive, he has not sinned against anybody to forgive. But he's saying, understand this is the way you need to pray. This is your prayer life. Formatted around this. This is the skeleton. Fit into it. Everything you will have to pray. 
you will have to pray through your entire life. I am giving you the skeleton. This is the skeleton for every day, all the days of your life. It will fit into this. It will actually fit into the Lord's prayer. Everything you will have to pray through life will fit into this. You look into that prayer. You keep meditating upon the prayer. You will realize, you know what? Honestly, everything in my life fits into this. You get this? I mean, all my life, all my prayers will fit into this. This is the skeleton. So that's your prayer closet. I want all our men and women, definitely. Men, women pray actually because we trouble them. They have no choice but pray. <laughs> one, one sister is here. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> okay. We literally use, we drive them to their knees. Okay. If men would pray, Honestly, men would pray. In Hyderabad, let me tell you, appropriate what happened in Acts chapter 10 with Paul, sorry, with Peter. Go to your rooftop. Yeah, no, his house. At the sixth hour, Peter is the time for prayer. He went to the rooftop. Okay, rooftop. Understand, go to your rooftop. You can spend time on your own. Yeah. I mean, we are a blessed. I love my headphones. Yeah. I can worship. You know, I'm not a great singer. And I got uh, discovered powerful worship leaders. And I, I tango with them. I can dance on my terrace. Nobody is awake. And my wife will be out like a light. So even if the roof shakes, she will not even know. She has no clue about that. You know what? Absolutely. It is an awesome time. We all have terraces. We all can go up there. We all can spend time with God. We can worship. We can worship God. We can adore Him. You know, actually, at the rooftop, what happens is we worship God. It's worship. Much of it is worship. And then we pray. You come down. You are at peace. You are set for the day. And you give your wife peace. Let it. You look into the Word of God. You look into the Book of Acts. That is a book of Acts of the apostles because of prayer. Acts chapter one, they are praying. Acts chapter two, while they are praying, the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter one, three verse one, it says they were going to the temple to pray. That's the first verse. If you have doubts, check it. The first verse, they were going to pray, and that's when the man is sitting over there. So if they hadn't gone to prayer. That would not have happened. Mm. And God is saying, you know what the lesson of Acts chapter 3 one is? Miracles don't happen in your life and through your life because you never go to pray. Mm-hmm. It happened because they went to pray. And persecution chapter 4, they gather again to pray and they shook the whole place. Uh, 5, of course, is uh, what is happening. It's ministry. Acts chapter 6 is what happens in Acts chapter 6. They actually have a situation. They immediately decide the situation because they said, you will not take us away from the prayer closet. We have understood one lesson. We will give ourselves continually to over to pray. Right? Acts chapter 7. How does Acts chapter 7 end? Read Acts chapter 7. How does it end? Let's go through the chapters. Look at the last two verses of Acts chapter 7. Um, if you have right, 59, 60 or something. Yeah. Okay? And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. spirit. And he knelt down. And What's the last two verses of? It's prayer. He's praying. Even as he's dying, is one of the most 
powerful verses in the book of Acts. A man is praying and worshipping God, forgiving. I am believing like a sword went through Saul's heart. Uh. With all his knowledge, he had never awesome. known. Is a man disciplined in fasting, praying, Torah, Talmud, everything. He has never seen anything like this. A man on his knees, dying, praying, heavens open, and he's forgiving his enemies. That's how it begins. Chapter 8, of course, is ministry. Chapter 9 is, behold, that man is praying. You look through the entire book of record of Acts, you know, it is about prayer. It's about prayer, how these men learn to pray. Cornelius is praying in chapter 10, and God said, your prayer says come. And Peter is going up to pray. That's if he hadn't gone to pray, he wouldn't have had a vision. Uh-huh. You want a vision? God says, this is a year I'll pour out my spirit. Lord, I'm waiting. God says, but you're not praying. You want a vision without prayer. Prayer is like your antenna to catch the transmission. You go to pray, you will get dreams, you will get visions, you will hear the prophetic voice. God will speak to you. If you talk about Acts chapter 16 where Paul and we talk about Paul and Silas pray, right? But you read, while they were going to the river bank to pray, they were the women who were washing. God opens Lydia's heart. The church begins because they were going to pray. They needed a secluded place. That's why they went out of the city to the river bank. Read Acts chapter 16 very clearly. When does that miracle happen? When does that woman, the girl with the divining spirit, if my memory is right, they were going to pray? Lord, I believe I am right. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Yes, verse 16, 16, 16, 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer. They hadn't gone to pray. They would have met this girl. They hadn't met this girl. This deliverance wouldn't have taken place. Deliverance hadn't taken place. They wouldn't have ended up in prison. They ended up in prison. These things wouldn't have happened. Jailer's family wouldn't have got saved. And this incident has encouraged millions and millions of people who have been oppressed because of their righteousness. Paul and Silas prayed in the midnight hour. And the captives came in. All happened. Why? Look at one thing. They went to pray. Why don't these things happen to our lives? Because we don't go to pray. So please don't negate this part of our life. It's the most. I thank God for that sister who asked that question. Okay. God, Jesus did not say if. God says, when you go to pray. So he's assuming. He says, he's assuming. It's a part of your life. When you go to pray, this is what should happen. Shut your door. Shut your prayer door. Spend time with me one on one. I will speak to you. I will show you where you need to change. I will show you where your troubles come from. I will give you visions. I will give you dreams. I will speak to you. And you will be transformed inside out. You will pray. You will know what to do with your life. You will know what my will for you is. Think about it. No? My, that uh, Acts chapter 9 is mind-boggling. Acts chapter 9. Okay? Acts chapter 9, verse uh, uh, 15. Yeah. Uh, this is to Ananias. Go for him, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
Can you believe this man? He saved on one day. Within three days, he understands the perfect will of God for him. Can you imagine? Peter is still struggling years later. Read the book of Galatians with Paul. Barnabas is struggling. These are icons of that movement. This man in three days has understood the perfect will of God, the complete will of God. All he has to do is wait for this to play out and it will play out. He will stand before Gentiles, he will stand before kings and he will suffer every place. But already it has been revealed to him in three days. The will of God. And what is the reason? If you look at it, verse 11. The Lord said to him, Arise, go into the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judah, so one soul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Do you know why Ananias was sent? It is an answer to this prayer. Did you get that? Ananias was sent because his prayer is being answered. It's an answer to that prayer. Cornelius has prayed, and Peter is being sent as an answer to that prayer. Saul of Tarsus has prayed. And God is sending him an answer. The question is not, he prayed and he got an answer. It's not just the first part, the second part. What an answer. Mm. Can you imagine any one of us gets an answer like that? This is your life. Oh, this guy like, fine, that's it. After that, Agabus can come and give him prophet. He says, I know, I'm going to Jerusalem bound in the spirit. I know. Thank you for confirmation. God bless you. I'm going. Bound in the spirit. He says, I know. I know. Okay. God says, I put my son over there. And I put another man over there. You know when he began. And I'm talking to you this year about years. Years. This man never said, I wish I was with Jesus when he walked on earth. I wish I was one of those disciples. I wish I had that. I don't wish any of those things. I have overshot all of them. Look at what he says in First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 9. I worked harder than Paul. 15. Okay. Verse 9. Or you can read from uh, uh, verse uh, 5 onwards. So we put it in order so we can understand how he, okay. That he was seen by Cephas, that is Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of which the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Verse 8, 7. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Last of all, last of all, listen, last of all, this last, between that seven and eight, how many years have passed away? You have, we have actually no idea. Fifteen to twenty years have passed away between words seven and eight. Last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. He says, technically speaking, I should have been born then, but I was born out of time. Because he appeared to all the apostles and I'm not one of them. I was born out of time. And then look at it. For I am not the foremost of the apostles, I am the least of the apostles. I am not worthy to be called an apostle because unlike the rest of them, I persecuted the church of God. And then, okay, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, so you believed. Do you see how we are shot? Yeah. He is one man 
understood how to use grace how to get grace how to go to the throne room of grace how to receive that grace promise in hebrews hebrew writer wrote in hebrews 4:16 but paul, paul is the one who understood how to do it come boldly so that's why people say hebrews also was written by him so it's no definite proof he knew how to access god how to meet with god how to get grace and how to work harder than all the others and he overshot so if you look at his life it is centered around one thing he knew how to pray that's one thing the disciple said teach us to pray we have to learn to pray so make it one of your personal bible studies in this year you know what simple things we have all the gadgets one of the things which you have is all you have to do is go to your bible app go there okay go there to the top type pray you just have to try pray alone is enough pray prayers prayers everything will come and it will come from the beginning but understand the difference when man is talking to pray it will use the name i pray you look at from the beginning when about prayer and you will realize god talking to abimelech my servant abraham whose wife you took who told you she is your brother that man is a prophet he will pray for you he will pray for you and you shall be healed that's a very very powerful thing god will say i mean you need to look at that okay you look at that genesis chapter 20 okay verse 3 no not uh, 2020 verse 2020 20 20 and verse 3 uh, 3 god came to abimelech in a dream by night and said indeed you are a dead man <laughs> what dream or dream do you <laughs> you know what dude you are a dead man <laughs> you are a dead man you have no clue whose wife you took now we would all be angry with abraham right and this god is angry with abraham <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> think about it no? he'll say weak man okay you did goofed up in the beginning second time how can you goof it all over if you were to ask god how can you be you will tell him because he prays because he prays he meets me every day what do you know about his life with me you are sitting there outside you have no prayer life and you are judging abraham he meets me at his altar every day he meets me at the altar every day he says you know what hindi dude you are a dead man kabhi mere ki shivering over there you look at this he said lord lord in the integrity is talking about his integrity right so you look at words for it very interesting okay words for five will look at it okay okay you look at lord he said lord you will slay a righteous nation also did he not say to me he is my sister he even said herself he she also said he is my brother in the integrity of my heart innocence of my hands i have done this he's sounding like hezekiah Remember when Isaiah said, "Put your house in order, you will die." He turned to the other side. He's talking about his righteousness, his integrity. This man sounds like that. So God said, "Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her." He said, "I understand the integrity of your heart. I know you did not go. You asked him. He said, 'That's my sister.' She said, 'He is my brother.' And you said, 'You know what? Don't give yourself too much marks.' You know what happened after you took into your house?" No, every temptation left. You had no desire for woman at all. I was the one who made that. 
So don't give yourself any great high marks over there. I kept your hand from sinning. You know what I did? I saw that you had no desire for a woman at all so that you wouldn't even dare lay a hand upon her. So we need to understand, oh, the integrity of heart, I did not sin. God said, dude, wait. <laughs> I kept you. I kept you. <laughs> Without grace. Without grace. You would have fallen headlong. I kept you. Okay, now you know what you need to do. Therefore, restore the man's wife. Why? For he's a prophet. And he will pray for you. And you shall live. You are a dead man. You are a dead man. How will you live? How will you live? If he prays for you, you will love. Your life is in his hands. Did you understand what God is saying? The life of people who sin is in the hands of those who pray. You understand? I'm just getting revelations as I'm reading. <laughs> okay, I'm just speaking out of my spirit. Okay, these are not things which, and some of the things when I speak, when I'm showing, I get it at that time as the spirit reveals. God is telling us there are people who are dead. If you don't pray, I'm giving their lives into your hands. Do you understand what is the power of the prayer closet? Do you know why the devil keeps us from praying? Mm. Because he knows if you pray and you encounter God on a regular basis, the foundations of his prison in which he has enslaved people will be shaken. Chains will come off. People will be set free and people will be saved. So what does he do? He keeps you busy. He keeps you busy. You know what? GTC Hyderabad who are listening. GTC Hyderabad was listening. If let us say the people in the church, all the people in the church sets time apart every day to pray for the two of us. You will see the pulpit will be even more different you will see the power that will be released to set people free when we preach. If you pray, everybody talks about Spurgeon, prince of preachers. Spurgeon said, you want to see? He said, come here. He opened that thing and he said, look down. And they looked down. There was a hundred plus people on their knees crying out and praying while he's at the pulpit praying. He said, that's where the power comes from. That's what the disciples understood. And they came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. He had nobody to back him in prayer, even to the point of his death. Not one single person to back him up in prayer. Yet he prayed through. Understand that. He had nobody to pray. Not even one day of his life. Even at his hardest hour, his one request to his disciples is, would you please stay and watch with me? And they fell asleep. Three times they fell asleep. Then he said, it's enough. I've got my answer. You can come. Angels came and strengthened him. You know that. Only two times angels appeared in Jesus' life. One in the fasting 40 days, angels came and strengthened him in the garden of Gethsemane. Answer to prayer. God's angels comes and strengthens. That is all answers to their angelic visitations, dreams, visions to strengthen us. All these things happen. But don't forget this. Let our lives in 22 onwards, not just for 22, be defined by our prayer life. I'm not saying it is, it's, it's easy. It's not easy in the beginning. You will, that's one. 
God is actually talking about in Hebrews 4. You have to labor to, to enter, enter into that rest. Where is that labor? That labor is one. His first labor is in prayer. Mm. And second, in his hearing from God as you study the word of God. I need to hear from God in prayer and in the word. That is the labor. Once you have labored and broken through, you are at rest. Then mm. you can go about and do your things. Don't be won't even ask, is this the will of God? You will know it is the will of God. Because you have heard the two places in your prayer closet, in your word closet, you have heard. And once you have heard and you go out from rest, you cannot but do the will of God. Because you are at rest. People want, you don't have to worry about it. You will know it is the will of God. This is the will of God. Amen? So, we shall close. Yes, we shall pray. Father, this evening, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. It's been a, it's been a good day, Lord, Amen. in your presence, Lord. To be in your house, in your presence, with so many of your servants. It was so good to be there. They bring a different presence. Mm, yes, Lord. They are your servants, poor, mm. broken, unsure where they are going. But they still are your servants. Your servants. Yes, Lord. Yes. We thank you for every one of them, Lord. Thank you, Father. Continue to bless them in your name. We pray, Lord, 2022 will be a different year for many, many of them, Lord. Pray, Lord, they will believe they would encounter you in the prayer closet, their churches will change, their homes will change, their villages will change, Lord. And Lord, you would bless them. Thank you for today. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for all who are listening and will listen. I pray, Father, all of us, Lord, all of us, starting with me, Lord, our prayer lives will change. Our prayer closets ultimately will transform us. That we would encounter you, Lord. And you would teach us to pray more, pray well. And we would never give up. Mm. For your word says, men ought to always pray. And never give up. And I pray men, women, even our children, our little children, will learn to pray. And they will encounter you. And they will be set for life. Shake Set for life. Life now, life forever. Set. Thank you, Father. Thank you. The rest of the night, we commit into thy hands. We thank you. We can go home. We can sleep. Knowing, Lord, you are watching over us. Jesus, you are interceding for us. In the Spirit of God, you are always hovering over us. Like a mother. Hen broods over our chickens. You are hovering over waiting for the word of the Father to birth something in us. Yes, Lord. Oh, Father, therefore we can rest. We can rest. If you tarry to come tonight, give us another day. We pray, Father, we'll gather in your house. May your presence be there. Let everyone come home, come to church prepared. Let them truly in their hearts say, I was glad, very glad, when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Truly, Father, we look around the cities where Christians are more. There are lots of Christians. Bangalore, they cannot meet under week lockdown. Chennai cannot meet. Mumbai cannot meet. Delhi cannot meet. 
Hyderabad, we can meet. Hallelujah. We just thank you for that liberty we have. So we thank you for our state leaders. We pray for them too. Bless them, give them wisdom. And I pray Omicron will not create havoc in our state. Amen. Yes, Lord. Stand in the gap and we pray it will not create havoc in our state. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name, Lord. We bless your holy name. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.